podcast. We're on the line with Tabang Rapulenge, and he's the director at CDH Employment Practice. Uh, Tabang, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Good morning, Asanda. Thank you for having me. Um, did I say that? Uh, is your title correct uh, in terms of uh, being the director at uh, CDH Employment Practice? Yes, yes, that's correct. So we are seeing a lot of complications and uh, I've, I've been mentioning to a lot of our listeners that there is a plan. However, theory and uh, theoretically and practical implementation are, diff- are completely different uh, things. So in, in, in your mind, with the possibility of retrenchments and the hi- heightened by the current lockdown, uh, with certain companies uh, coming under fire for not properly following the procedures and using COVID-19, what is your current context with regards to the people you've engaged with uh... yeah. well well i guess the starting point Sam, is to just uh, mention that the mere fact that we are on a lockdown does not mean that the procedural requirements which one has to follow when retrenching employees have been suspended so none of the directives that have been issued or the regulations that have been issued pertaining to the lockdown have suspended the directives and the processes relating to Section 189, which is the section of the Labor Relations Act governing or regulating how retrenchments should be done. Mm. So the key thing is that employers need to be aware that they still need to follow the process as outlined in Section 189 of the Labor Relations Act. And there is no room for deviation from that process or deviation from engaging with employees or consulting with employees mm. with regard to the retrenchments or the reasons for the retrenchments. What are your options? Obviously, I think a lot of our listeners will have to in, engage with Section 189 of uh, the the Labor Relations Act to get more insight. But um, what are the options if you if you do get a, a letter um, that tells you that, unfortunately, the company due to COVID-19 is retrenching you? What questions should you ask and what options do you have? Well, I think when you receive such a letter from an employee's perspective, the main thing to look out for is whether or not the letter complies with Section 189. Section 189, maybe in simple terms, outlines an agenda uh, for the process. Basically, it tells you that the employer needs to consult. It tells you the specific items which consultation must take place in the, with, with regard to, for example, the reasons for the retrenchment or the contemplated retrenchment, uh, the timing of the retrenchment, the alternatives that the employer has considered, and why those alternatives were found to be mm. um, uh, non-viable. You know, we proposed severance package. So all those issues need to be outlined. One of the issues that needs to be outlined as well is the number of employees that are likely to be retrenched or were retrenched in the twelve month. That's gonna give you an indication as to whether you are dealing with a large scale retrenchment or just a normal retrenchment. Mm. With regard to the large scale retrenchment, there's additional requirements which the law has put in 
and that would be a requirement that there must be a facilitation process that takes place before a retrenchment, and that process must run for 60 days before you can be retrenched. Oh, wow. You may proceed. No, we just had a listener, Leon, who called in and he said that they uh, uh, received letters that they would not be getting uh, any type of uh, payment. The company applied for UIF, but they don't qualify because they make over 300 million rand. Uh, the company says that, according to Leon, has said that they will assist with UIF applications. Is that enough or what are Leon's options? Well, it, it, it depends. If that letter is sent under the context of a retrenchment process, mm. that will be incorrect because the law makes provision for a severance pay to be paid. And the law even stipulates how that severance pay could be calculated. The only room for deviation is when the employer pays more than the minimum that the law has set. But the employer cannot say we will not even pay the minimum that the, the law has put in place. They must comply with the minimum. With regard to now the UIF claims, mm. in a situation where now this is outside the retrenchment process, where the company says you have not been rendering services, and since you have not been able to render services, we are also not able to pay your salary. And that's where the UIF process comes. This, uh, the allegation that the employer is excluded from the UIF because they, they earn over 300 million or they make over 300 million, that cannot be correct. Uh, even big, big companies still participate in the UIF. In fact, the teachers will still find that they participate in the UIF. So there's no such an exclusion. Mm. The employer must still apply for the UIF that's the benefit fund that's the gover- the, that the government has put in place to assist employees. And obviously, the employer then will have to apply on behalf of its employees. Uh, I think the, 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 the process has now even been made easier and it now allows the employees to also apply directly with the UIF uh, for the tests. I think that that might be the best solution for Leon to actually take it into his own hands because um, the information he may be getting from uh, his employers might not be entirely correct. Yeah, it sounds well, well, from his 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 yeah. it sounds to be incorrect. That cannot be correct, mm. and that will be against whether is it under a retrenchment process it will be against the the labor relations act. Or it would be if you've just joined us, we are with Tabang Rapuleng, a director in the CDH Employment Practice. We're talking about the rights of employees if they get retrenched during a lockdown. Uh, Tabang, are you finding that companies are using lockdown as an excuse to fire people or get rid of staff? Uh, is there Has there been any unfair uh, labor practices which have been taken advantage of because of this period? Well, uh, I, will ma- I will imagine there will be unfair labor practices, but in the main, I think when one looks at the economy as a whole and looks at how the economy was even before the lockdown, we are already in a recession. And now when one factor the, now the consequences of the lockdown, meaning business 
businesses were not able to operate, yet they still had to meet the, 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 the obligations in terms of paying salaries, in terms of paying rent, and so on. And one will find that in most cases, there would be genuine reasons to enter into the retrenchment process. So, and, and the lockdown will have simply worsened the situation. But yes, there will be pockets of exceptions where there where you find that employers are now taking advantage of the process to just achieve what you might find were objectives that they wanted to achieve before the lockdown of cutting down the number of employees. And which is why it's important that the process outlined in the legal relations as is followed. But also, it's important for employees to be aware that they can challenge the retrenchment process. Uh, mm. How do you challenge the retrenchment process? Because uh, it almost, I've, I've heard it for so many times, and you, I think you mentioned it yourself, no work, no pay, companies not making money. How do you expect us to pay you? How do you challenge that, that, that kind of response? Where where an employee has been retrenched, in most cases, the challenge will be against the process that was followed. One, did the employer consult? Was the consultation a meaningful exercise? Did the employer consider alternatives? Were all the alternatives that are available considered? For example, one of the alternatives is the issue is, let's say, economic reasons. We are retrenching because we don't have money. One of the alternatives can be, you know, uh, asking people to work less hours, shorter hours, instead of a full-blown retrenchment. Uh, maybe if they can shift patterns, things like those need to be considered and then think, why are these not viable? But the employer must have considered alternatives short of a dismissal or a retrenchment. So in the main, the challenge of decision will be based on the process that is followed. In most cases, the system will not be in a position to challenge the reasons themselves for the retrenchment. For example, the losses retrench for operational requirements and those vary from economic consideration to technological advances and so on. So it, it, it will be quite difficult to challenge the reasons because even if I say mm. my reason is that I need to maximize profit, that's why I'm retrenching. I'm allowed to say that. Mm. There's no provision for that. But what I need to say is that I followed a process that I needed to follow, whether it's a section 189 process that uh, is followed with large-scale retrenchment or just section 189 And, and Tama, what does one do if the company has been paid UIF uh, and they find, as an, you find as an employee, that you actually haven't received the 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 the, the benefit? What what the grant rather? What should an employee do? The employee will have to report the conduct of the employer to the Department of Labor. All right. And um, and obviously that will be a serious uh, misconduct on behalf of the employer, and the Department of Labor will take. So, Tabang, this is not an easy discussion, and I empathize from both ends, between the employer and the employee themselves. And consultation is important. I think the values of a company and just, um, I think a lot of companies talk about valuing their personnel and staff. 
But what does a meaningful consultation look like? What does it sound like? And if a, if a manager, if we're listening to business owners out there, what does a meaningful consultation look like beyond just saying we're closing, I want to make profits? Well, a, a meaningful consultation is a consultation where the employer is open to taking suggestions and considering those suggestions. So that which, which is that 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 is the reason of the primary reason why a process needs to start. The section one eight nine notice must be issued at the time the employer is still contemplating a retrenchment. Mm. It should not be issued when you've now reached a decision that I am retrenching at this stage. It's when you contemplate, when you're still thinking planning, thinking about it, that you need to issue a section one eight nine notice that the notice is writing employees to a consultation process. That's to create a room for the employees to also persuade you and suggest other alternatives and to create a, a, a room for you as the employer to consider those alternatives. It becomes difficult to have a meaningful consultation process when the decision to retrench is already cast in mm. Not you are not contemplating that you are saying I am going to retrench, and that's wrong. That's not mm. uh, in line with what the law expects of you. The law says at the time when you contemplate a retrenchment, you need to now start the section one eight nine process. And uh, there are various support options uh, available for for struggling employees. Would would you let us know about them if they are available? Or rather, or rather, what is the responsibility of the, the employee to provide those uh, options or even research and, and provide them to people who are becoming retrenched? Well, the, the employer, obviously, as, uh, as part of the uh, section management process, must be able to say what assistance they're going to be providing to employees. And one of the assistance that you will provide to employees, for example, will be in most cases, you'll find that some of the employees have been working for you for many, many years. You might find that their CVs are not updated and so on. So one of the things that employers can consider, they, they're not obliged, but one of the things that they can consider is to assist employees update their CVs, is to assist employees to be able to express clearly the, the skills and the expertise that they have because these are people who've been working for you for all those you are able to identify their skills, their expertise, and you are able to help them to crystallize their skills and expertise in an effort to assist them to find uh, work elsewhere. And the, 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 some companies will find that they will go as far as to even offer a psychological assistance mm. and so on. But these days, these many ways in which an employer can assist the employee. It's just that you need to look at your environment, your, the, the nature of the employees, and so on. Because some some employers, and I've seen this happening, where employers will say, yes, I'm retraining, but I do think I will still need uh, to outsource certain services, and I think you do have the skills to form, to, to enter into now a independent contractor's arrangement with me, where now I'm a service provider because of your skills. And then some employers will assist the employer, the employee to set up 
a consulting, a consulting business in order for the employee to still render services now on a contract basis to them and so on. So there is no limit in what you can consider in assisting employees. But if if, if the employer is engaging in a process in good faith, mm. uh, they should be able to find some ways of assisting employees. It is not cumbersome, but some a simple thing is assisting employees with a list of uh, vacancies that might be available in the sector, assisting employees to access you know, the internet and, and job search, assisting employees to say if you have an interview, even if it's during working hours prior to the retrenchment date, I would be able to let you go and attend that mm. interview. So there's all sorts of considerations that the employer can yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And the role of the temporary employer employee relief scheme. Can you just clarify that uh, for us, uh, just for the layman out there? There's so many protocols and things to apply for. It can really get challenging. Yes. So the, the, the relief scheme is it's one of the measures put in place that uh, that came with the lockdown in place to assist, you know, starting employers who might find themselves being unable to pay salaries. So that's the scheme that you access through the UIF, the way you make that application, the one that we discussed earlier on when we started the discussion. Mm-hmm. So that's the scheme. So you, you go there, you apply, employees will, the UIF will assess the application process and the UIF will confirm uh, how much will be paid out to the employees. So. In fact, the, the most recent uh, development in that regard is that the, the directive has been issued to say where, because there's been situations where you find that the employer will say, employee, you must take leave. You must go on annual leave. You've got annual leave days. You are not able to work. Go on annual leave uh, for the duration of the lockdown. That way, the employees got paid because they, they are now on their annual leave days, but they deduct their annual leave days. Mm. So in that situation, the directive is clarified. So you can still apply for the UIF, uh, the test benefit. And if the benefit is approved, the employer, obviously having paid you already the salary, can offset and but where they offset, they still need to change you now the equivalent of what they received from the UIF, your annual leave days equivalent. So if they took my 10 days of my annual leave to say, take annual leave during this period of lockdown and let's say, for example, it was 10 days, you receive something equivalent of three days from the UIF. You must now trade back my three days worth of annual leave. So that's that, that, that's how the government is trying to ease the pain. And obviously, we'll not be able to take away the pain completely because there are limits to what the UIF is going to pay out. The UIF will, will, will not pay you your full salary, not, will not pay what you would have earned, but it will pay, in most cases, you find it works out to one third of what you are earning to the limit of, to the maximum of about 6.5.
Mm. And in, in all this uh, very Im- important and uh, uh, I think it, get, it, gets, it gets a bit intricate and we'd like to know really what is the role of the CCMA uh, during this time? Well, the, the role of the CCMA while during this time the CCMA is going to be able to accept the referrals that people who are disputing whatever process between unfailable tracking they are disputing their retrenchment and so on. It needs to be open to accept those referrals. All right. So the employees can still be able to refer their Okay. So where you are dealing with a large-scale retrenchment, the CCMA can come in by availing a commissioner to start right, that particular process. Yeah, I think I think it's a very important discussion. And if you've just joined us, uh, we we we've been talking to Tabang Rapuleng, director in this at in, at CDH Employment Practice, about uh, the rights of employees if they get retrenched during lockdown. Tabang, thank you so much once again for your time and the amazing work that you are doing. Please do stay safe. You're most welcome. Thank you.